Chapter Eight of Lift Luck on Southern Roads by Tigner Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sunday afternoon. For every step throughout the rest of that day took me into a finer, fairer country. It was a typical Sunday afternoon, calm and drowsy, temperate in everything a season of placid half-moods the lane wound between broad green verges dotted over with a wealth of flowers in the hedgerows clustered berries of briar hawthorn bryony hung out their scarlet in the warm sun beyond these multitudes of sheep lay about in the pastures happy old horses looked over at me thoughtfully as i went by and contented cows hobnobbed together in the shade of the trees and all were more than half asleep even the signposts seemed to droop their arms languidly as though they too considered themselves off duty when none but a single solitary wayfarer was stirring in the whole lazy length and breadth of the land that was a memorable a profitable afternoon for all its uneventfulness i went along by the hour together pipe in mouth hands thrust deep into pockets eyes roving luxuriously from one point of beauty to another after a while i took to plucking a nosegay from the abundance of late blossom around me just to see how many different kinds i could get with a little occasional hedge-breaking unlimited trespass and one or two long rambling explorations down side lanes i got together a magnificent posy an armful of rich colour wherein there were no two flowers alike here is the list a brave one for november calamint bellflower buttercup plume thistle spear thistle mallow cranesbill wild sage harebell hawkweed sheepspit knapweed white archangel red archangel blackberry st john's wort nipplewort silverweed brassica dandelion heather chervil marjoram honeysuckle ragwort white campion red campion cell thistle red clover white clover yarrow hogweed lilybind yellow trefoil meadowsweet mayweed dropwort teasel poppy veronica daisy borage groundsel strawberry hemp agrimony forty-five different kinds of wild flowers and all fine full-grown specimens nothing seemed to do hardily in that rich lush somerset land the hours went by and the light deepened as the sun drew down into the west my shadow stretched out longer and longer before me and then just when i thought myself miles away from any inhabited quarter a church clock struck 
startlingly near and clear i counted its four slow beats as i breasted the top of the hill and found myself looking down on the very ideal of an english village a mile or more sheer under my feet there was a seat hard by and a sleepy man lounging at full length upon it i roused him to ask the name of the place camel said he and returned at once to his land of dreams i thought i had misheard him and asked again this time he did not trouble to open his eyes but he moved his legs to give me room to sit down if i willed camel queen's camel thisn did never ye hear o the camels afore it was four o'clock and tea-time somewhere down in that quietly populous valley there was a kettle a copper one i hoped whose destiny it was to brew the cup for me if ever i felt like hastening prospect into actuality it was on that hot glamorous thirsty afternoon and yet i lingered on that eagle eyrie of a hilltop a good half hour immovable fascinated at the bit of picture poetry spread out at my feet the eye rested first on the tall square church tower amazingly tall it looked and indeed proved then you noticed how compact the village was a ruddy grey oval of tiled roofs and red chimney-tops from each of which extended a violet plume of smoke the plumes all drifting one way on the gentle sunset breeze everywhere within and about it great elm trees stood up in the amber light you caught a glimpse here and there of the white curve of a street a shining weather vane the bright reflection of windows water rippling and gleaming under an old stone bridge but most of all the voice of the place held you it stole up through the sun-tinctured air in one dim mirthful flood of sound human voices the voice of the river the voice of the organ in the old church the baying voices of hounds a hundred indistinguishable echoes of life joined to make up that quiet imponderable symphony but not a stroke or wheel rumble of the working day it was the very voice of the sabbath that came creeping hovering up to you on that sun-crowned hill i got to my feet at last and lowered myself gently step by step down the precipitous way making out continual fresh beauties as i went by and by i drew into the charmed circle of the place took rank among the strolling sunday comradeships landed finally on the flagstones of the church path and began to look about me lazily for any sign of tea the streets were fast emptying of their casual company every one was going home on the same quest 
disappearing into doors and garden gates singly or in chattering twos and threes after a while i seemed to be left alone in the world the only one of the throng compelled to stay out of doors i wandered to and fro on the empty pavements the church clock struck five and seemed to look down on me with rather contemptuous pity at last as i was turning back designing to knock up the folk at the inn i caught sight of a little whitewashed house standing deep amidst red and yellow chrysanthemums with an old gentleman on a chair in the porch placidly enjoying a pipe as i ventured up his trim brick path between the gay rows of blossom considering how best to deal with him the old gentleman looked at me over his spectacles first with grave inquiry and then with a thoroughly hearty welcoming smile i knowed as someone would be along afore sundown said he triumphantly as he knocked out his pipe and rose with some difficulty to his slippered feet tis seldom as sunday goes we're out someone or other i tell ee well i'll talk it o'er wi ye and welcome whoever ye be come in sir come right in this was a perfectly astonishing reception the speech i was so carefully preparing for him vanished from my mind i could make nothing of the situation as yet but plainly i was on the brink of one of those mild adventures which so often and so unexpectedly cropped up throughout my journey setting therefore an instant guard on my tongue for fear of prematurely spoiling the matter i followed the old gentleman in it was a queer little parlour there was the copper kettle sure enough in a frantic state of ebullition on the fire an old cat dozed on a hassock beneath a table was laid for tea with the inevitable somerset apple pie in the middle but what most attracted my attention was the decoration of the walls instead of the usual framed lithographs and family portraits there was a round dozen of extraordinary maps or diagrams home-drawn and violently coloured maps of the world principally with the names of the countries curiously misspelled my eye caught great britain france hammerica Africa, hinga at a single sweep while outside the gaudy circles were freehand drawings of a most puzzling character one represented a coach and four being hurled into space another showed a bucket of water tipping over a third a ship upside down falling out of an inverted sea the largest and gaudiest of the maps was surrounded with drawings of human beings of all nationalities at the top of the world these folk were shown walking at their ease but elsewhere they were in the wildest confusion 
either clinging with hands and feet to hilltops and trees or being precipitated in whole scrambling batches into space the outer universe being symbolized by an infinity of yellow stars on a field of ultramarine the old gentleman left me to examine these wonders in silence while he bustled about preparing tea he seemed to take it so absolutely for granted that i was to join him in his meal that he never even went through the form of inviting me my gals is out visitin he explained they won't be home for an hour or more but we'll make out purty well without em now not a word o that there waving his hand at the walls till we've done and cleared we got on famously together he turned the talk at once on education and i soon found that he took me for a schoolmaster he was eloquent as to bringin's up of which it was soon obvious he himself had had but little by the time the meal was finished he had got round from education in general to one particular branch of it and then the whole mystery of the diagrams was suddenly revealed the scholards is all wrong about the world he began as soon as he had cleared the table tis a round ball they say round ball why tis naught but madness as i'll soon prove to ye he reached down one of the maps now looky here if the world as us lives on was a round ball what'd happen why us'd all fall off wouldn't us like these year figures up atop there us wouldn't come to no harm plain enough but how about australy down under gosh i had no patience wi' it he had already worked himself up into a red heat but held to his attitude of scientific calm bravely through it all and what about the sea he went on water ain't like paint or plaster as ye can stick on the ceiling and there abides water wants holdin up by summat this year bucket now tis full up and keeps full here in camel but if so be as the world was a round ball and australy was down there under your feet and you was to take the bucket to australy what'd happen why the water had come pourin out double quick i tell ee he paused a moment for breath then plunged again into his subject tis jest like that with the sea we knows a ship sails on the sea when tis right side hubbard but look at this year picture that shows what manner a mess you'd be in wi your round balls why every drop of salt water and every ship had be gone to smithericks along afore gorra mighty had a time to make adam let alone heave tis all rank starin foolishness he was feeling about in his pockets absent-mindedly then catching sight of his pipe on the mantel-shelf 
seized and lighted it but this year see says you a goes all round the world and ships goes too as every one knows because cap and cook a sailed off down one way and come up t'other side likewise says you there be thousands as seen four buckets o water in hostrally ay granted and now us comes to the truth o the whole dern matter he reached down another of the world maps and laid it on the table then he produced a boxful of what i took to be children's toys miniature houses ships trees and the like carved out of wood and painted and which he arranged upon the huge circle of the map now here it all be he said in triumph there be the world flat and round like a plate not round always like your round ball no bother or north and now the ships they bides in the sea and the water in the bucket and the folk on their feet as god intended em never matter whether tis queen's camel or cockamaroo ay tis all clear as clear to a thinkin man but what i ventured to ask happened to captain cook if he sailed over the edge of a plate and up the other side instead of round a ball he must have been in just as much danger of falling off in one case as the other ha the old gentleman uttered a shout of delight why don't ye understand and you a schoolmaster why i went round on the edge of the plate and kept right side up all the time i thought i were goin straight ahead but i weren't i went crooked unbeknownst tis the electricity in the hair as does it i reckons he added many more details of his theory as ingenious as the rest the recital of which lasted him until we had reached the garden gate there he gave me a final grip of the hand teach they boys the truth on't he said earnestly never no harm comes out o knowin truth but there's one thing as worrits me terrible these year coal mines they keeps on a diggin and a diggin down they goes deeper and deeper every year now what'll happen think ye when they gets through why i be afeard as all the sea'll run away and there'll be naught but dry land and that'll be the end of the world for sure don't ye mind what is writ in the good book and there shall be no more sea i left him then standing with rapt awestruck face his pipe raised dramatically over his head and when i looked back from the end of the street he was still at the gate leaning over it now and pondering deeply that first sunday and fourth day of my ramble finished with a six-mile ride in a milk cart to wincanton under the light of the serene autumn moon i arrived in the quaint precipitous little town just as the churches were overflowing into the streets 
and getting into talk with a friendly postman i was soon lucky enough by aid of the now familiar formulae to land myself in comfortable private lodgings for the night End of chapter eight